What is up, podcast listeners? Andy and Drew here. Welcome back to the What's Up Castleberry podcast. It has been a whirlwind around here. We are on episode 29, Andy. 29. Drew, you threw me off, though, because you didn't start the pod by saying what's up. You said what is up. You you were you have been a lot more um, proper. In I'm your, more edu- more edumacated today, I guess. More yeah, ed- you threw me off. That's it. Seems like a very uh, formal uh, introduction. You know, it's I'm I'm in my office uh, up at the church, and just I'm feeling very focused and and intelligent today. Who who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's turning over a new leaf. Well, folks, we are uh, thrilled that you have tuned in. We're glad that you're a part of our conversation. We got a good one today. Sheriff Dennis Lima is on the the line in just a couple of moments. If you are new or newer to us, we are local pastors, local friends, local residents of Castleberry, along with our producer, Robin. We gather each week to discuss uh, things regarding Castleberry for the good of the people of Castleberry. And we love to have guests and friends who are for Castleberry. Andy, in Castleberry right now, everywhere we drive, there are election signs all over the neighborhoods, all over the streets. We're in the thick of it all. Uh, it will be election day, in fact, when this pod airs. Any advice for the voters out there? Um, yeah, two pieces of advice. Uh, first of all, please take your signs down after election day <laughs> so yeah. we can enjoy our natural beauty again. Um, but secondly, um, before you vote, Listen to our two previous podcast episodes if you haven't. Uh, We've got some incredible feedback uh, over the last two episodes where we've been talking about different issues in Castleberry, and we've interviewed each of the five folks who are running for two seats on our city commission. And folks have said that never before have they had uh, a forum, an opportunity like we've provided to listen to the candidates and to get to know them a little bit um, behind the scenes and off the campaign uh, flyers and things like that. So um, yeah, please take your signs down when we're done. I'm ready for us to be done. And I hope some of our races don't go to a runoff, but also before you vote today, and please do vote today, if you haven't already, listen to our previous episodes so that you can vote from a informed, place. Well, one of my favorite quotes, uh, political quotes, is from Winston Churchill, Drew. Uh, I'm a big Churchill fan. And he said, one of the biggest arguments uh, about democracy is five minutes with the average voter. And of course, he said it in the, uh, the way that only he can with his wit and humor. But unfortunately, democracy doesn't work well if we're not educated about who we're voting for. So uh, I'm glad we can provide that service, but please vote. Please know who you're voting for. What, what, what about you? What are your thoughts on this, uh, this election day? Very well said. My, my wife and I were uh, out and about and we drove by the library where there is early voting and saw many of the candidates and the, many of the signs out and about. And we were sort of chuckling to ourselves, uh, you know, thinking, who goes in and, and votes just purely based on the, the sign they see? 
but I'll confess I have done that before. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll walk into the poll and, oh, I recognize that name from the sign. It was, you know, a nice color or yeah. something, but um, don't do that. Yeah. My advice would be to uh, educate yourself. Uh, knowledge is power. And uh, we have given you, as Andy said, the opportunity to uh, educate yourself, learn about the issues and about those who uh, are sharing their different platforms on the previous episodes here on this feed. Uh, another piece uh, of conversation encouragement is if you don't pick up your signs, uh, I have a pickup truck. It, our church is a polling station and it is a great joy in my life to go around and pull the signs. And if they, if they try to creep beyond the appropriate area, I'm yanking them up, throwing them you, in. The you are a rule follower, aren't you, Drew? Yeah. I love it. Down to the down to the line, down to the right at the point there of the of the church. Well, Andy, uh, there as we said, there's lots going on in, in the world, both personally, uh, nationally, statewide. Uh, one interesting note that occurred in our state that speaks to uh, the Seminole County specifically in our community. I had the privilege actually of being at Castleberry Elementary School this past week and, and checking in on the teachers there. They're very excited about the new year. In addition, they are uh, rebuilding one of the buildings there on the campus. And so there's a lot of construction and new developments happening at Castleberry Elementary. Make sure you drive by their listeners. But uh, there actually was a bill passed by our governor, Governor DeSantis, that states that the teachers who uh, begin their careers teaching in the state of Florida will now have starting salaries that are at $47,500. That's an interesting um, development and will impact the, the local economy as well as the local workforce. Andy, any thoughts on the new teacher starting salaries? Oh, well, Drew, I have lots of thoughts on lots of things, <laughs> some, <laughs> some of which are best kept to myself. But honestly, this one, I think this is a very, very positive thing. Um, teachers do a phenomenal job. Um, there is a lot of hazard involved. There's a lot of stipulation and regulation, a lot of continual learning and readjusting, and especially now in this COVID time. So I, uh, I, I'm thrilled that, um, the teaching's starting pay is going up to 47,000. Uh, honestly, I think that's good. And I think it offers a challenge to other employees as well. Um, you, you know, Hey, what are you going to do to be competitive? And uh, hopefully we can kind of keep raising the bar and building a better society as we, uh, as, as we do. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for our teachers. I'm pleased that our governor uh, has done this and uh, I can, can only see an upside um, of it. Well, and on a very local level, uh, we have teachers who are going to be in the classroom uh, with, you know, masks and shields and, uh, teaching in a, in a global pandemic. We have teachers who are going to be serving via Seminole Connect. I walked through a couple of classrooms that are set up where uh, teachers, you know, it's unique. You typically teachers are used to being engaged with students. And yet for some, they're going to be isolated in a classroom all day talking uh, to a computer monitor. And then you have others who will be uh, working with students virtually. And so just the um, the, the multiple skill levels for, for this career and calling, uh, well-deserved raise and, and very thankful and proud of our state 
for for stepping up. And one of the quotes in the article uh, regarding the the pay raise was Governor DeSantis said, "2020 is known for many things, but it also is now known as the year of the teacher." And uh, well deserved indeed. So proud to support this. All right. Well, uh, let's take a, a listener question from those in our listening community. Hey, folks, we so are appreciative of your investment of time in our podcast as we seek to be a resource for the community. If you have a question, uh, a comment, would, would like to follow up even with a previous episode or interview that Andy and I have had with uh, a guest from the What's Up Castleberry podcast reach out to us. You can reach out to us through a number of platforms. You can message us through our Facebook page or Instagram page known, just search What's Up Castleberry. You can go to our website, whatsupcastleberry.com and leave a comment there in, uh, uh, via the website. Or you can go directly to uh, where you download podcasts and leave a review and a comment. And we would love to hear from you. Uh, Andy, the question for today, it says this regarding our previous episodes that we mentioned, what have you guys learned from your conversations with the candidates running for the commission seat for and the role of mayor? What have we learned from those previous two conversations with the five candidates? Lots and lots, haven't we? Yeah, that is a great question. And, um, you know, honestly, I could Probably, like you say, lots and lots. Two things initially spring to mind uh, for me. First of all, it increases my gratitude towards those who throw their hat in the ring and say, I want to serve, right? It's not an easy position. It's a thankless task. Um, You know, there's a little bit of money attached with the seats in Castleberry, but honestly not enough to make it worthwhile, Um, There's a little stipend that comes with it. And so those who are serving, I think, really are doing it and serving out of a very sincere desire to make our community better. And and I really appreciate that. I love that community spirit. I love that, um, that attitude. And I think we as a community and we as a country uh, need to do a better job of celebrating those who sign up for thankless tasks. <laughs> so that's the first thing. Do you have a response to that? I see you leaning forward. Beautiful. Well said. Yes. Um, you know, for, for me, and it was one of the things that listeners, if you're new to the program, you, you know that Andy and I have a passion for, for discussing leadership. And uh, one of the, the things that all of the candidates reflected in regards to discussing leadership was that leadership comes through uh, both what you know but also what you you do and, and kind of having boots and hands on the ground. And I, I was very proud to learn that all of these candidates, for the most part, have uh, been involved in different roles within uh, local committees, uh, their particular neighborhood uh, HOA groups or, or um, just community service organizations. These folks have have spent time investing in the city. And as uh, we look to the future, not only this particular uh, group uh, or year in terms of who's running, but in future years, one of the things that I submit and, and heard through the candidates' conversations is 
we need folks to serve in these at these local levels, not just in the role of a political title, but it, on local boards and community service organizations, really getting a sense of what our community is about, what we're doing, so that you have a better collective understanding of what the city is involved in, what the role is when you get that position of leadership. Yeah, I think I'll just piggyback on that with with what was my second point uh, as well, is I think if you're going to run, you really have to have a holistic view of the city. Mm. Uh, You have to have an accurate view of the city. You have to have a historical view of the city, as well as having a, a vision for the future. You know, there are so many nuances and perspectives. And generally, what we try to do as humans is we... We see a problem or a solution from my perspective. But I think when you're in that corporate community leadership, you need to look beyond your own perspective, uh, dig a little deeper, listen to things um, you wouldn't normally hear, see things you wouldn't normally see. Um, Because there's a lot at stake if you're only looking at things through your lens. I think our candidates did a a good job of doing this, but I would encourage them, uh, whether they get elected or not, just to keep looking further, to keep looking deeper, and to keep embracing other perspectives so that we can really lead our city comprehensively to places that are best for the good of everybody. Well said. Well, thank you, listener, for the question. We enjoyed that and discussing. Uh, We'd love to hear from you again through those different mediums. Uh, In regards to Andy mentioning the idea of just being holistic in our view of the city, we are very proud of the businesses here in Castleberry. Uh, We do not have a current sponsor for our What's Up Castleberry episode 29, but we are very thankful for our previous sponsors, Platinum Signs and uh, Kelly Financial Solutions. We've got some more uh, sponsorships lined up in the future, but if you have a business or if you know someone who would benefit from partnering with this podcast, a business or an organization that is community-minded, that is for Castleberry, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us, and we would love to highlight and celebrate your business here on our future episodes. At this time, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Sheriff Dennis Lima. All right, listeners, welcome back. We are honored today to have a very, very special guest today. We are in uh, safe hands in many, many ways with this conversation because we are thrilled to have Sheriff Dennis Lima with us. Uh, Sheriff, tell the listeners as we start a little bit about yourself, uh, family, experience, education, those kind of uh, generic things that we have to ask and answer. Well, thank you for having me on, Andy. I really uh, appreciate it. Uh, Dennis Lima, your Seminole County Sheriff. Uh, been with the, the office for 28 years, but before all of that, uh, I'm a loving husband and a father to two boys, uh, 16 and 11. Uh, they go to Seminole County Public Schools, which looks a little bit different now than ever before. <laughs> I'm a uh, United States Marine Corps veteran, was honorably uh, discharged from the Marine Corps. And uh, for for my entire adult life, I've been uh, serving the public, either our country or our uh, community. 
I'm the 10th sheriff in the history of Seminole County and uh, blessed to work with, uh, I feel and believe, the most talented and diverse law enforcement and criminal justice professionals in the business. So it's a, it's a blessing every single day here in Seminole County. And there's, there's never been a safer time to be a Seminole County resident as well. Some of the, the stats that you guys are putting out are really kind of breathtaking in what a great place to live this is right now. Yeah, you know, it's important that our residents really understand that our philosophy has been for decades that crime is a symptom of another problem. People mm-hmm. generally don't wake up one day and say, you know what I want to do with my life? I want to be a career criminal <laughs> and spend the rest of my life in prison. So what we do here is we address the underlying conditions that are present that lead people down that path in the first place. And this is why you'll see us here in Seminole County taking the lead on mental health and opioid use disorder and parenting and enriching programs like that. And the 107 year history, there's never been a crime rate lower than there is today. And it's something that we we as a community should be extremely uh, proud of because a law enforcement agency does not accomplish that, but a community of vested law-abiding individuals uh, does. Yeah, that's amazing. Sheriff, we like to start our, our conversations with a little rapid fire kind of quiz. So I'm going to ask you some questions and they're questions, honestly, that you could take 10 minutes to answer. But if you could just limit your answers to one sentence, okay, just around these, <laughs> these topics, right. just to break the ice. We'll see. We'll see. All right. All right. Uh, first, first rapid fire question. Uh, what has being the sheriff taught you about leadership? One sentence. That you need to have compassion, empathy, and altruism in order to succeed. Love it. What has been the sheriff taught you about Seminole County? That we have incredibly generous and supported, supportive citizens throughout Seminole County. What has been the sheriff taught you about difficult people? I'm, I'm sure you may have come across <laughs> one or two. <laughs> uh, that you cannot devote all of your attention and time to those people who are just unhappy with life itself. <laughs> That's a good life lesson for we need to get some bumper stickers. Yeah. <laughs> made of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, it took me a long time to figure that one out, by the way, but uh I realize that that's that's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, makes life a whole lot easier uh, when we when we do. Yeah, uh, what has been the sheriff taught you about communicating effectively? That it's better to over communicate than under communicate. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's not a that's not a bumper sticker, but that's something I need to write on our bathroom mirror <laughs> for yeah. my wife and I to see often. <laughs> And sometimes they tell me, okay, Sheriff, we, we have it. We have it. I just, I just want to make sure I'm looking for the light bulb to come on. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. All right. A few, few more conversational questions. Uh, something uh, I think our listeners will be uh, very interested in. You know, we hear the, the title Sheriff, and there's a lot of weight and responsibility and prestige that comes with that. But I'm not sure most people know what a day in the life of a Sheriff looks like. Uh, how, how would you answer that question? And feel free to uh, use more than a sentence on this one. Yeah, actually, you know, I've, I've been able to answer that question in a sentence or two. I said, I feel on many days I'm a cross between an air traffic controller and a firefighter. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> That's great. You know, I'm, I'm constantly making sure that our interests don't collide mm-hmm. and, and 
there is no way to prepare really for what today's challenges are going to bring. Now, I have a calendar and a schedule just like any uh, executive would in in any company uh, or organization. But what this career brings is all of those things that are unknown and unexpected. And those are typically those those quite literally emergency situations that come up. And I tell some of my colleagues that at the end of the week when they're going home on a Friday night, uh, that's when we get the busiest. <laughs> so right. there, there's always um, this level of unpredictability when it comes to the work that we do. But we have over the years, not just me, but our team has adapted to that because it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I experienced that as a, as a pastor too. People say, oh, have a good weekend, as if yeah. the weekend's going to be restful and relaxing. Yeah, it's when your phone's <laughs> ringing off the hook. That's right, it's go time. Uh, Dennis, we, we know that um, leaders often have to make very hard decisions. And I'm sure in your role as sheriff, you certainly have to do that. Can you share an example of a hard decision you've had to make but more than that, what's, what's your framework as to how to make hard decisions? Well, you know, uh, I think the hardest decision that I have to make is public safety professionals and military personnel, the leaders of those organizations indeed have to put people in harm's way to mm-hmm. protect and preserve our domestic and international freedoms. Mm-hmm. The safe thing is always saying, don't encourage your team to do anything that's dangerous or that potentially could harm them. But in this business, I do have to make decisions where I put people in very potentially compromising positions. We make sure that they're properly trained and properly equipped and and the best prepared for the job. But this job is still dangerous. And anytime you make a decision to go in or not go in, search or not search, Mm-hmm. Those are those are decisions that weigh heavy, heavily uh, uh, yeah. on my head. I also subscribe to Colin Powell's philosophy on decision making, where where you never want to work for somebody or be led by somebody who makes decisions too quickly. Mm-hmm. But you never want to have a leader that waits too long in order mm-hmm. for the decision to be made. So there's somewhere right between the 40% to 70% confident that you're going to do the right thing is the time to strike. And the more you're, you're exposed to the challenges of this occupation, the more you master that sixth sense of, of just knowing instinctually when it's time to make the move. Got to do it in in a timely manner. You can't wait too long and you never want to do it too early. Yeah. That's a, that's a hard balance to find. And, uh, you know, you said 20, 28 years in the, in the, in 28 the, years. I mean, that's, um, that's a lot of experience. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that folks sometimes don't understand. It's not just getting a good education to do this. There's this X factor that only experience can bring that is so, which in your case often is life or death, right? It's, it's life or death situations. A lot of, a lot of us, you know, talk about emergency situations, but in this business, if we say emergency situations, it could be quite literally emergency yeah. situations. And, you know, it's, it's not until you've been in this job nearly three decades where you really start to master the art because you can reflect on similar scenarios that you've been involved in and just have some level of, of reassurance of, of how to handle it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 I get it. As, as a pastor, I get emergency calls. Some emergency calls are really serious where people are really hurting. Other emergency calls are a leaky shower or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, different for everybody, but the stakes are really high in what you yeah. do. So, 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 Sheriff, as you come to work every day, as you're driving into work, what are, what are some of the things that, that excite you about this role and this position? You know, I, I absolutely uh, love this job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say this job, I'm not talking about the job of, of sheriff. I'm talking about I love the job of being a public servant. Mm-hmm regardless of what position that I was in, I, I reflect back on my career. And in the 28 years, you know, I've, I've ascended all of the ranks, but I tell people that my job has only changed one time. And that's when I became a formal supervisor, I became a sergeant. And then I knew that my decisions not only affected me, but they at least formally uh, affected at least one other person that was entrusted to my care and good decision-making. Mm-hmm. But I use the word love because Uh, I was actually having a conversation with somebody earlier today. And for me, that is the strongest, most powerful emotional term uh, that, 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 that you can have. The only thing that comes close to love in my opinion, Mm -hmm. with the strength of the emotion is probably hate. Mm -hmm. And you can't beat hate with like, you Mm -hmm. can only beat hate with love. And -hmm. I think that you'll find the people who choose this path to serve, love what they do and love who they work with but mostly who they work for, the citizens of our community. I love that. That's a, that's a fantastic answer and uh, it's worth, worth digging into a lot. It's very interesting. You know, love for a long time has been considered, you know, a soft kind of lightweight leadership trait, especially in an organization like yours. But I think for many of us, it's a driving force, right? If you're willing to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters in blue or green or citizens that you've never met, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's got to be love. It's, it's got to be the passion to serve and the, and, 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 and the calling. Yeah. And I will tell you that the greatest contribution that we can make to our community is to continue to recruit and retain people who love what they do. It really, really sets uh, an agency and community apart when that, when that happens. Yeah. So, so how would you describe uh, a good day on the job? I'll, I'll let you answer that. Then, Drew, do you want to j- jump in as well after that? Yeah, Sheriff. Look, look forward to hearing your answer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, a good day on the job is, is uh, first and foremost when everybody goes home uh, safely, um, when the, uh, the bad guys uh, go to jail <laughs> or are minimized from, from creating harm. Uh, against anyone else, especially those uh, innocent victims. A good day is when we can rehabilitate or habilitate people who are inside of our correctional facilities. Mm. So we show them a new path and a new direction to, to, to kind of move down. And uh, lastly, and probably more globally, we can move forward our mission uh, that is strongly established with our norms, our customs and values to make a little bit more progress each and every day. And then ultimately when we decide to retire out and somebody picks up the job after us, they feel like that we've, we've carried the ball further down the field and we've made progress. Uh, I think all of those things are incredibly important. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we're a rather large agency here. We're, 
1,400 members and a $146 million operating budget. And it's important for us to have a business mindset. When other companies may be selling products or widgets, uh, we sell a, a service. We sell a quality of life that, that has to be measurable goals and objectives and keep our eye on that bottom line. I actually uh, was privileged to hear you share at a Castleberry Community event a fair couple years ago, and you spoke about having a good day in regards to setting the mission. You are, were a master then and, and continue to be, amongst other things uh, in regarding to casting vision and, and leading well, uh, what would you say is a challenge uh, in your role, what what is one of the bigger challenges that you face having the role and the title of sheriff? I would say that, especially playing out right now, one of the biggest challenges is I think that there is really a lack of understanding about how holistic our our criminal justice agencies actually are. I think the word policing is way overused, and I think it it. Policing is a representation of the most sensationalized aspect of law enforcement. It typically involves the apprehension of of an individual. That's what you see on the the five o'clock news, and that's what people make motion pictures about and and have very successful careers writing books about, but it's actually a small part of what we actually do. And even with COVID-19 right now, when citizens see something happen across the country that that uh, is either a criminal act or it's a, a behavior by a law enforcement officer or a public servant that should never have occurred. People need a level of reassurance that, that that's not going to happen in their local hometown, that that's not the philosophy and behavior of, of the local folks. And I think that, you know, there's still a lot of people out there that are talking to their kids when they see their child grabbing something off the shelf, trying to get a candy bar and a law enforcement officer gets in line. And they're saying things like, put that candy bar back or I'm going to tell the policeman behind you to take you away. And it is incredibly difficult to overcome that because those stereotypes are are alive and well and present. Not so much here in Seminole County, but again, when people see things happen across the country, they need a level of reassurance that, hey, we're on the right track. Yeah, it's interesting. All these conversations about race and reconciliation, uh, one of the issues that's kind of at the forefront of those is this implicit bias idea. And there is often an implicit bias against law enforcement personnel as well. And that that, that doesn't help anybody in the long run. There is. Indeed, we see it. I was having a conversation about it uh, just the other day. And if you think about it, there's been law enforcement officers in this country uh, murdered, uh, not because of the color of the skin or their religious belief, but be because of where they choose to work. Yeah. And uh, that's incredibly frightening. But again, we've got great, real relationships with our community. Uh, everywhere we go, our citizens are giving us a thumbs up and a pat on the back. And, and I think that that is because of the, of the character and the reputation that we've created for ourselves over decades. Mm-hmm. Sure. You may have just answered this, but I I think that speaks to another question that Andy and I have been pondering for our listeners. What what can the community as a whole do to help you uh, and the sheriff's department as a whole and just kind of keeping our county and keeping our officers safe? Well, you know, I I think that uh, support and love for their public safety professionals really is, is key to the overall mission. I think that helping us change the face of these social uh, disorders that 
may be difficult to understand. Like, you know, I do a lot of work with opioid use disorder and people ask me typically after that, well, what can we do to help? I said, you can help me and our team change the face of addiction. You can help us spread the word out there and the message out there. And, and, uh, and they really, really come through. It's, it's the chambers, it's the pastors, it's the, it's the business owners that really, really uh, encourage us to, to, to move forward. I, I tell people this sometimes, and, and, and I'm only half joking when I say it, but I think my story represents the majority of people who join the military or join law enforcement. People ask me, when did you know that you wanted to be a law enforcement officer or serve your community. And, and I, I answered the question one time. I said, I knew that I wanted to serve my country or community as soon as I was old enough to know that superheroes was not a real occupation. <laughs> I wanted to find something as close to that type of, hmm. of um, lifestyle yeah. that I could find. And I think that the people who are, who are raising their hands and taking the oath of office are incredibly talented and could do anything that they wanted to do uh, in this world, probably make a whole lot more money, but nothing replaces the feeling that you get when you can rescue a woman and her child that have been barricaded inside their home, hiding from a home invader. When you can rescue them, bring them the safety and catch the offender all in the same night, you'll have a thirst for that same type of feeling for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. But you guys are heroes in my book. I mean, I know you don't wear a cape. I mean, we can get you a cape if you want it, but uh, appreciate the heroic work you do. As, as, as are you, Andy. Uh, um, our faith-based partners, none of the good that we do in our community would be possible without community leaders and particularly our faith-based leaders. It is such a, you know, what's great about being a sheriff is you don't have to worry about separation of government and state. Um, you know, the work that we do here in law enforcement is God's work. And, and we're not wearing one hat one time and another hat another time. We, we honestly feel that this is a calling and, mm -hmm. and this, is, uh, this is our chosen lifestyle. Much like being a pastor, you're never off. Yeah. You're, you're always at it. Yeah. So a couple of personal questions and then time's getting away from us. I know you've, you've been very generous with your time. You got to go. Um, just, just kind of following on from that. Um, you know, we've talked about being on all the time and the phone can go off at any moment. Uh, one of the things I do poorly living in that environment is relaxing. Uh, what, what is, what does relaxing look like for you with all the weight responsibility and authority that you carry? Uh, be honest with you, Andy, I think I fool myself into believe, believing that I'm relaxing. Um, and, you know, somebody had asked me one time to teach a time management course, and I had to decline because, quite frankly, I'm not very good at it. It, it is, it is um, incredibly difficult to ever find time. Now, I do enjoy going to the amusement parks and camping with my family, but even when I'm there, I'm constantly on. You know, when as sheriff, you're the chief law enforcement officer of the county and have a constitutional responsibility to be conservator of the peace. Mm -hmm. Nothing in there ever says when you're off. Or it, so it, it, is, it is very uh, closely connected to a business owner that may go off and something happens to the business, you, you have to be there. So I, I think it, it is constantly on my mind uh, everywhere I go and everything that I do. But I, I try to, at bare minimum, spend quality time uh, with the family. But 
being sheriff is always running in the background. There's never a time where it's turned off. Yeah. So talking about your family, one fi- final question. Um, I know you got you got two kids. You talked to, talked about that in your intro a little bit. Uh, I do too. You know, as professionals, we're always learning, continuing education, seminars, that kind of stuff. But I often find that my kids are some of the best teachers to me, especially as we get older, right? Um, what are some of the things that you're learning from your kids right now? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, I probably the, the most important thing that I have learned from them is that I am not as important sometimes as what I think I am. <laughs> you know, I, I remember uh, getting promoted in advanced and, and I walked around the office here and everyone offered me congratulations and congratulations, sir. And they yeah. called me captain and they called me all of these different titles. Yeah. But I went home and I looked at my kids and I said, you notice anything different about daddy today? And they looked me up and down. And they said, nope. And I said, how about my name tag? Anything here or anything on the stripes and the sleeves? They said, nope, you're just our dad. So it really taught me a valuable lesson that nobody really cares what your rank is. Oh, they, they pretend. <laughs> they pretend and they offer those, those, those things. But in the end of the day, we're just human beings and we're judged on our own individual character, regardless of the position that we hold. And, and you know, that that is such a humbling lesson that that was taught to me at the time by such young uh, men who really probably didn't know what they were doing at the time. But I, I carry that with me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm constantly reminded that I'm, I'm just a man and a husband and a dad uh, first. And that's where my character is created. Out of the mouths of babes, right? Indeed. Indeed. Now, I, I love the, the just your humble approach to your, your job, your life. Sheriff, thank you so much for uh, being a part of our conversation today. Sheriff, how can uh, people, as we sign off, how can people connect with you? Uh, maybe website, social media, uh, if they want to. Well, website, social media, it's the Seminole County Sheriff's Office. You'll, you can always find me there. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we're always at 911. <laughs> if you ever have an emergency, you can, always, you can always get us there as well. But I encourage you to like and follow. Uh, you know, we've got a great team here with Brian and his team. Keep our uh, citizens informed. So follow us on these social media platforms, and I think you'll be incredibly impressed with some of the things that we're putting out there and, and doing for our community. Well said. What about a TikTok page? Do you guys have a TikTok page, Sheriff? <laughs> we we do not have a TikTok page, but we I think that we'll wait to see who actually purchases TikTok or if it's still going to be around for a while. And then maybe we can get some of our folks over here doing some of those dances and stuff like that. It's on TikTok pretty, pretty regularly. You know, think, it won't think, be me. I'll tell you, it won't be me. <laughs> I think Brian would love that. I think he's made Brian for would be the guy. I mean, he could <laughs> he could pull it off and get somebody to do it, if not do it himself. So <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Sheriff, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. Appreciate you uh, coming on the show, talking to our community. And uh, sincerely, though, thank you for all you do to lead our community. It's one thing to know the stats about Seminole County and know that we've never been safer as a place, but it's another thing to feel that too. And under your leadership and the leadership of your team, uh, not just can we know we're safe, but we can feel safe as well. And that's a tremendous gift you've given us. So thank you very much. Thank you, Andy and Drew. I appreciate you having me on and uh, God bless and take care.
Wow, what an inspiring, powerful conversation from our Seminole County Sheriff, Sheriff Lima. Thank you, Sheriff. Uh, Andy, I know as you were kind of teasing it out about the sheriff possibly wearing a cape, that you were really thinking about wearing a cape. We can get a cape made for you. <laughs> I, I think that's the last thing I need to add to my wardrobe, Drew. So uh... <laughs> well, bring us home. Make, give us an inspirational moment for the people as we go about our week. All right. Uh, inspirational moment as we wrap up this podcast comes from President Teddy Roosevelt, who once said, do what you can with all you have, wherever you are. Let me say it again. Do what you can with all you have, wherever you are. I love this quote because I think it captures the essence of what we've just heard the sheriff talk about. And it captures the essence of what so many in our county and our city and our community are doing when they say, I want to serve to make this community a better place. What do you do? Well, you do what you can. What do you use? Well, you use what you have. Where do you do it? Well, you do it wherever you are, right? Because uh, I'm sure, Drew, you've heard the cliche that we um, bloom where we're planted. And there's a lot of folks blooming right now in our community and in our county because they do what they can with all that you have wherever you are. And so I think that's an encouragement for us. It's an affirmation for many. And it certainly inspires me to want to make this world and our corner of the world a better place. I love it. As I, uh, the analogy I was thinking of uh, as you were sharing, Andy, was just uh, we're all on the we're all on the road. We're all somewhere on a on the path. And and I love the quote from President Roosevelt: "Move forward, move forward in your path wherever you are." We really hope you enjoyed today's conversation and this episode of the What's Up Castleberry podcast, a conversation about our community. The podcast is produced by Robin Kepi and James Bittner, along with assistance from Jeremy Birdsall and Christian Moskosko. For more information, please check out our website, whatsupcastleberry.com, our Facebook page, Instagram, or podcast feed, all with the name What's Up Castleberry. We'd love you to like and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star rating. Until next time, have a great week.